Greetings, Commanders, and welcome to episode 182 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your host, Commander Shan, and joining me in the orange signed-on for this episode are... Dr. Toxic, our Director of Pest Control. Uh, our Chief Bath Steward, uh, Grant Psycho Kyle Walcott. Good evening, everyone. And our health, Head of Health and Safety, Commander Boss Woodward. Uh, I'm more or less alive. And a, spe- and a special guest for us tonight, we have uh, Commander Pacera. Greetings from the far side of the galaxy. And uh, their rescuers, uh, Commander Highway Warrior. Greetings also from the far side of the galaxy. Uh, Commander Abish. Hello. And Commander the Unknown One. Hello, world. So, welcome everyone to this uh, edition of uh, Lave Radio. Um, do a quick round table to see what we've been up to in game and in real life. So, um, Ashley, what have you been up to? I'm at the Obsidian Orbital at the minute. So, in game recently, I'm trying to rack up some credits, doing some evacuations again, trying to back into the game. Real life, um, I'm excited to have a cleaning add one. Watching paint. So, how, mu- how much money did you find under the sofa? All <laughs> right, and uh, and the uh, cow, how's your week been? It's been, um busy actually um if you remember back in summer when we started doing a bathroom <laughs> still not finished it's almost finished the fittings arrived we got them in we had plastering done last week this week we're putting the uh, the floors down then hopefully in two weeks time the title's going to come out he'll put the tiles on and then it'll be finished then i'll put a picture up and you can all go wow that was totally not worth the wait but it will be it's going to be awesome um, it represents a huge amount of independence for my wife, which is amazing. So we cannot wait to get it finished, but it seems to be dragging on with problems. Of course, it snowed this week as well, which has made deliveries great. Uh, we've had about six inches of snow today. I tested the depth myself. Um, and we're in game. It's been a week, quite a week since I made Elite in trading. Um, been running a couple of passenger missions, but I've been sort of concentrating on some work, real-life artwork pressure here at home uh, and, and making sure that we can get all the nice little pictures from Suzanne um, down to our company down south, down to the licensor and ready to go out this year on a special project. Uh, we don't even know what it is yet, but we'll find out next month. So, tons of work going on uh, for once. You know, it's not often that I spend any time doing actual work. So, it was quite nice. It's been quite different. Excellent. And uh, Ben, are you recovered? Have you given birth to a Thargoid yet? Uh, I've been getting a bit too up close and personal with Thargoids, yeah, and they're doing horrible things to my lungs and things have been trying to escape out my throat and it's been a lot of fun. Um, I'm still having issues doing this handy thing called breathing, but at least I can breathe now, which is more than I could do last week, so yay! Excellent. And uh, as for myself, um, I've 
I've been pretty busy in real life work. Um, lots of projects on the go, which everyone needs done by the end of quarter three. So, you know, and uh, in game, I've been pursuing my NPC experiments some more, of which more of that later. Not for NPCs, not more for NPCs. Oh, well, if you, uh, when you see what's happened to them, I'm not sure you'd be, uh, have that sentiment. But anyway, so uh, in today's development news, um, we are literally hot off the press of a, uh, a new Frontier stream. It was epic. Um, I, I actually, you know, it's, it's often uh, that's the kind of time where I'm having to sort of get dinner sorted for everybody in here, and it means I don't tend to catch it. But thanks to uh, DJ Truthsayer restreaming it on Twitch, I was watching it, and uh, while I was cooking, and and genuinely thinking, oh, that sounds, oh, that sounds good, oh, that sounds good. Um, so I think there's been a lot of positives in the stream. So I'm not sure how. The community's taking it yet. It's a bit early for that, but I'm sure there's plenty of salt somewhere. Most of the salt I saw on the live chat was about, what are you going to do about combat logging? We need to know about combat logging now, even though you're talking about crime and punishment, it's got nothing to do with combat logging. We need to know combat logging now. So the SDC were in? I think so, yes. Hmm. I love the way your impression turned into uh, Vicky from Little Britain. Yeah, but now you never, you but no, never, no, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, I mean, I think Sandro made it very clear on the stream as well that it's one thing at a time. They are aware of all these other exploits and issues that are affecting the game, and they intend to tackle them in time. I don't think that necessarily says they're not doing anything at the moment, but they're certainly not ready to announce anything with regards to that at the moment. I think that's probably fairer to say, but... Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Just because they haven't talked about it doesn't mean to say they're not actually doing anything about it. And, and the same goes for station ramming as well, because that was sort of one of the questions I was poking at in the chat. Was well, a popular griefing technique is to uh, get a sidewinder down to a couple of percent, wait for a unsuspecting commander, and get them to ram you, and then blow you up. Um, they said the, like the NPCs that, do. Oh gosh, yeah, they're really they ah, they're suicidal now. But anyway, they are getting worse. Um, so, so what parts of it particularly did you think? Oh, that's nice then, Cal. What was your right? Well, the first uh, the first thing was obviously we had Sandro in the Crime and Punishment, and I I actually quite like the notoriety system. That's quite cool. Not entirely sure about the ship tying it to the ship and stuff, but you know it's quite nice that you can't strip your ship down and try and launder your dirty modules and put them into a clean ship to get advantage of them you know they're tainted with the blood of the innocent until such times as you explode so there was quite a lot in that section um but the one thing that thought oh my gosh i've actually found something i'd be quite interested in trying in the pizza which is the wing missions because i think they the, the what they represent is essentially a lot of mini uh, community goals for you and your wing and I think there'll be a huge sort of changer in encouraging people to play with each other so that's a huge passion of ours is to see people playing with yeah. players. You're and, always uh, welcome to play with me Grant. I know but you know after once you never go back. Therapy. 
Yeah, you need therapy. Um, so I think the, 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 the new wing missions look spectacular fun. Um, we just uh, There was a couple of things that I thought we they didn't cover um, or I missed, which was if you're in a wing and you start a wing mission and somebody bugs out or leaves, do they still get the reward? In which case, can you then bring in other people to take their space or are they locked in that space? But these are things that testing will do. Um, and it's just one of those ways of possibly exploiting the wing system. So, for example, I, I do think dishonestly, I don't play dishonestly, very often, I uh, do think this honestly. So I would, you know, there's a limit on the number of wing missions you can take. So you can't stack them too many. So if you're able to drop a, a wing member and bring other wing members in, so that they continue to share a part of the payout, then you could have them take a mission on that gets you another mission, and so on and so forth until you've got 400 missions stacked. So they did mention that the wing missions are persistent and will survive you logging out and disconnect. Um, but they also mentioned, I think it was on the uh, Pixel Bandits uh, interview, is they mentioned, or Ed mentioned, sorry, that um, you will be able to take wing missions and do them solo. So for the delivery ones, if it says you want 700 and tons or something, you can keep going back and forth and complete that mission in solo. So it's not limited to wings. You, you can try them on your own if you want. Yeah, and, and that's that's exciting and probably good balancing across the sort of the game. And I think you know, wing missions in combat will be excellent. Bounty hunting, wing missions, brilliant concept. I think it's a real um, exploration. Wing missions, need to wait and see what they come up with. Um, but it's quite interesting in that respect. But I just think you know, with the limit of four missions, one person in each wing can take on a mission. What happens if one of them leaves? Three of you are still tied into that mission. Can you bring in a new wing member and then they take a mission? And these are the things that Beta, uh, I'll be trying to check out in Beta to see whether or not there is any sort of gaps um, where you can take the P a little bit with the wing missions. But um, other than that, really, it really looks quite smart. It's like little, as I say, little community goals that you can take on with your your, your friends and just go around and, and make some decent money. And of course, the choice of mission payouts. I hope that that carries on into the normal missions as well because that's an awesome way of um, being able to choose I, I like that I like that because not being able to avoid not getting I don't know modular terminals or whatever you get inundated with um, yeah I like that being able to choose your reward yeah just if, yeah, if, if you didn't catch the frontier stream uh, on conclusion of the missions and the wing missions, certainly what we saw was there were three options that you could take. Standard payout, or you could take out, uh, which might have money and influence and reputation and maybe cargo, I don't know, it depends. Or you could take an influence-related payout, which would be a higher degree of influence with the faction or a, a reputation gain for the system for that faction and no actual physical products or you could go for material payouts and again they were all weighted in such a way that the credits at each level got less or less um, and the other sides obviously counteracted that money value so it meant that when you were doing like so at the moment when you're doing passenger missions or, or, or rescuing evacuees from a station and some wee swine in that list has got four cargo and you can't get them off your ship because you haven't got any cargo space, so you can't take the reward. Under this new system, you could just choose a different alternative option uh, that didn't have any products coming into your hold, and therefore you could get rid of the sods. So that, to me, looks like an awesome, 
awesome thing because you can now be an altruistic pilot flying purely for your background sim and forego all the cargo and the bigger payouts in favour of getting the reputation boosts for your faction and your player faction. Um, what I saw in that was more that it's the reputation than the faction influence, so it's more just your standing with that faction than the faction's influence in the system that's affected. But yeah, I think being able to focus on building your reputation with a faction rather than getting money or getting cargo would definitely help some people. They did have the two options though, I mean there was influence and reputation. Yeah, but the reputation was the only one that had any difference between the three options. The influence didn't appear to be any different between them. Just that it said reputation plus plus, didn't it? Yeah, but it just said influence, not influence plus or plus plus or anything like that. How they get on with balancing that stuff out as well in the end as well because I think that's they did say because people are already going yeah it's not much payout for a big wing mission you're like going yeah it's because we're just setting it up so you can play it and test it and then we'll play around with the balances as we always do in beta. Um, it's the same thing when you go into beta and the ship prices are awfully low and you think oh that's a bit low and you think don't be daft. So do you know if we're going to get the ability to choose our rewards for? Um, non-wing missions. Isn't that going to be the norm for mission rewards now? The way that Sandra talked about it as being, and Ed talked about it as being an awesome update because it's what people have been asking for, would lead me to believe that that would be the intention but we didn't see any examples of that, other than the fact that the mission board was showing the wing compatible missions which suggested that the normal missions would be displayed in the same board, but the, you could then filter by wing. They just then said there wasn't any normal missions on that board, so it's not entirely clear whether that is definitely the case, but I think that will be part of the mission overhaul, judging by what they were saying. Well, they did say they fiddled with it so it would only show a specific type of mission, so if they're trying to demonstrate wing missions, it would understand if they, it would be understandable if they... Um, Cut out all of the other missions, including non non wing, because at the end of the day, that's just going to wait, isn't it? They want less, uh, the least amount of in the way to um, demonstrate what they're trying to demonstrate. Yeah, as a pure speculation alert, when I was watching it, I was thinking, are they going to use the same mechanic for the construction and purchase of carriers later on down the line? Ooh, now that's uh, interesting, yeah. We'll find out, because obviously we've got, we've got two more live streams to go to find out all these other bits and pieces too, so well, lots of haven't, exciting stuff. They probably haven't determined what carriers are going to be, but if you were going to have a, a non-credit reward, uh, sorry, non-credit aspect to obtaining a carrier, and you wanted it to be a squadron thing, then wing missions would seem to be the um, way to do it. Yeah. So, Andrew, did you have something you wanted to add as well? Uh, no, it was um, it was just uh, what I was saying earlier about. Uh... Okay, <laughs> you got your chance. Sorry, yeah. I'm just trying to catch up with the chat and make sure we didn't miss anybody. Um, <laughs> So what did you think about the crime and punishment um, mechanics? Did we think, could you see any loopholes in it? Oh, probably plenty. Um, 
probably plenty. I'm not a particular criminal. I mean, when I first started playing uh, Elite, when we went to the first release after Gamma, I went on a crime spree and ended up having to wipe my account because I couldn't dock anywhere. And crime and punishment certainly felt pretty damn brutal back then. Um, the biggest update in that, I think, which is going to be epic, is the thing we kind of talked about a lot in the past about crime and punishment. The GTA star rating system where you run over one person and the police get a bit annoyed and you get one star. And then the more stars you collect, the bigger the police response until they start sending in attack helicopters, tanks, you name it and all that to make sure that they do take you out. And it seems that finally Frontier have picked up on that and they've created the various different powers, um, armed response teams, shall we say, who will come in when you trigger a certain level of bounty in a particular system, and they will come in and intent to kick your freaking arse. And, that that um, does sound suspiciously like what they're doing, doesn't it? It does, so they've definitely, I think, taken that on board. And Did you notice that when you commit a crime, you got a message? Okay, it was just a debug message at the time, but it was saying you know, zero minutes, zero seconds until... Um, Advanced tactical response or something like that. I think I saw up in the up in the information window. Yeah, it was telling yeah, you what. Yeah, I saw that uh, as well. So what was, was coming in. Yeah. How long? Which, I mean, that makes that makes crime more exciting. Um, I, there wasn't much there that was mentioned to make crime more profitable, but the it does sound now like there's definitely going to be a more of a push to anarchy systems for criminals as a home base which is something we've always wanted to see always wanted to see you know a reputation with crime bases giving you an easier time because i think one of the things that gets right up my nostrils is the response in your wingman if it's criminal, you know, if you've got a criminal wingman, you go into wanted space and you take on the authorities in the wanted space because you're in where you're wanted, and there happens to be a faction that you're working for. So, for example, um, Beldacri Brothers in the um, uh, Beldacri system, which is where my planet is, and I was trying to flip the system to the Beldacri Brothers, who are an anarchist and uh, total other pirates. They really are scum of the earth. And I was trying to flip the system in their favour, so I was running missions, I was disrupting the authorities, doing this for a, a long number of weeks. And then you get into a battle with maybe three or four system authorities, and you can see there are three or four ships that you're allied with from the Bildakri Brothers. Do they jump in and give you a hand? Do they chuff? They try to rob you! Now, I think that gets right up my wick, so I would hope that on the flip side of that notoriety, you have a degree of respect and support in pirate systems from pirating factions. That would be really nice to see. They've not mentioned anything about it, so I don't know if it's even on the on the radar, but I'd like to think that the more notorious you are, the more welcome and feared you are in these other systems, and the less likely you are to be picked on by NPC pirates, apart from if they've got a, an equivalent or higher notoriety. So I think that could be a very useful tool for making some interesting gameplay. So, going on the notoriety system, did they um, elaborate um, how it's reduced? Because I'm looking at the notes that I made, and they seem to say it gets wiped when you as a player gets killed. So, basically, you get a notoriety of one, you blow up, and you're back to notoriety zero again. Because, thinking about it, that does seem to leave room for 
if not necessarily a suicide winder, but getting your notoriety deliberately wiped so that you can then go on and cause may more mayhem. Now you mention it, because they did mention in the past that what they were looking at doing was having you pay for the ship, rebuy for the ship that you committed the crimes in. They've not done that. They've kind of gone for a lighter version of that where you pay a percentage of that, and the more crimes you commit, the more of that percentage goes up until it's quite you know dramatic. You're also paying a percentage of the target that uh, insurance costs too. So the more ships you destroy, the bigger your bounty is going to become exponentially to be able to rebuy back into the game. That's a real positive step to dissuade people from doing it. But yeah, you're right. Um, they didn't say that the notoriety would... Did they say the only way to reduce it is if you get caught? Um, or if you you can... I think you can pay Interstellar off... Interstellar factors. Yeah, you can pay off your, your you know bribery to get yourself out of the system. But I think notoriety should be something, like you're suggesting there, that doesn't go to zero. It kind of chunks down. Maybe the, the, the length of time over time. So if you don't play for six months and you jump back into the game, nobody remembers who you are, you murderous scum. Um, and your notoriety, so possibly that's something they will think about after beta or during beta if we give them feedback, because I think that could be really cool. Unknown uh, one, you. Yeah, so I thought it was very interesting that they decided to make it that if you commit a crime, it's bound to the ship itself. So uh, I was thinking, would not uh, would not notoriety also apply to that? So if you go and commit crimes, you murder a bunch of people. You're going to end up having to die a lot of times in the same ship, which would be more expensive than a sidewinder in order to clear out your notoriety. But I also think it would be an interesting idea that if you stop playing for a while, you go out exploring, or you do things that are not criminal, that your notoriety should also decay slowly over time, but not quickly enough that it can be exploited. That's a very good point. You're, you're absolutely spot on. That's right, because... If I then uh, had a notoriety of five and thought I'll go and jump into my sidewinder and then I go out and get blown up and that that's not going to it's not bound to the ship. Ah balls. Oh my Ben. Ben's just cleared that point up. The notoriety is player bound, not ship bound. That's a shame. So you oh, can suicide winder So you can suicide winder it. To to deal with your notoriety possibly. No, because or they also said that your notoriety only disappears when you are when your bounty's been claimed and you pay off your, your bounty and everything like that. Well, you could easily so, get a bounty in a sidewinder and then get that cleared. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get this is all things we're going to have to test out in beta, I guess. But definitely, definitely indeed. worth testing. Yeah, I hope we can't do suicide winders and things. Well, the, the intention is to do away with that, so it would be a real. Um, it would need balancing if that was the case. I think, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how notoriety can be abused. And maybe you're right, maybe having your little backup criminal ship that you just jump in because it's cheap. I think the thing is, though, that when you come to repaying your bounties, um, will that depend on what ship you get destroyed in? So, for example, will a bounty hunter have to find you in your hip, you know, your big massive ship to get the best bounty in order to claim that notoriety? That's... Yeah, it's all going to be fun time to work that one out. So, um, uh, Toxic, that's a job for you to work out how to best rip that one to bits and to check all the different possibilities. Well, one of the things I did think was a positive step is that as your notoriety increases, the, uh, the rebuy the victim has to pay is reduced proportionally. So it's not that kind of 
um, situation where the victim or the person blown up feels as though somehow they've lost out more because they've had to pay a rebuy and the other guy hasn't. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's kind of like the old supermarket that if you break it, you've paid for it. So, you know, if, they, if they've got that big notoriety that they're a clear player ganker, um, when they shoot you and destroy you, you're going to play a very, very small rebuy cost in comparison to what you would do normally. Um, I wonder if, you know, if we can finally get some kind of cargo insurance as well, if you're, if you're hauling a large load. I'm not sure, but it goes back to the GTA analogy again, doesn't it, where if someone blows your car or helicopter up in GTA, they pay the insurance for it. Oh, detention centres! That's awesome! So just like GTA again, we're getting GTA in space, guys, just like GTA again when you get <laughs> when you get blown up, you wake up in the hospital and you start your spawn from the hospital, so maybe we should do that for ships that blow up. There should be little hospital places that you wake up or maybe some kind of clone 3D printer, um, not to be cynical. But also the fact that there's detention centre so that if your bounty is claimed, you will be uh, released at a detention centre. And I think that gets an awful lot of gameplay where maybe you could just hold a player there for a wee while. Just, just a no, wee you while. No, ca- you can't do that, Grant. They said that the detention centres are going to be essentially solo instances. Yes, it's just to give a chance for avoiding ganking and any sort of retribution yeah. but, but I still think it could be quite funny if you've got a persistent pain in the arse player that they wake up there and he goes yeah welcome to your oh. detention centre you've got six <laughs> weeks to wait you know, oh you, you mean you. the system holds you before the, you get released not yes. oh yeah that would be funny I would like that well, you have to mind um, 500 tons of palladium in a hauler or something this is what I've been asking for for four time. years now I mean, this is the whole origin story of the orange bloody Sidewinder. So you're saying that you appear in the detention centre, right, and you're in an orange Sidewinder, and you've got to go out and, and you've got to mine 150 <laughs> tons of litter that's floating around the system. <laughs> I I have no issue with that. I think it's perfectly fair. Don't you think it's a little excessive? I mean, especially say uh, you accidentally shot someone and you weren't actually trying trying to kill them and they, and they end up getting blown up and you get charged with murder, oh. your ship gets destroyed by system authority and then bang, <laughs> you're, you're banned from the game for a week. Don't you I think see that... they're working that one out as well. They're um, alleviating yeah. the... Um, well, not alleviating completely, but definitely putting more of an allowance on uh, friendly fire. They've got this, uh, was it, reckless discharge fine. <laughs> I think Ben was charged with that once. <laughs> that was accidental discharge. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was more um, than yes, once. They, they also said the detention centres are going aren't just going to be for minor murders, if you see what I mean. It's going to be for multiple offences, although I don't think they told us what the threshold is. Well, I, I assume that's down to balance. Yeah, well, it will be at the end of the day, yeah. The end of the day. I think it definitely is probably worth testing out the um, sidewinders and different ways of trying to bypass that to make sure that they have ironclad. But I mean, to be honest, this is all very tough on crime. Um, they, they kind of need to, to sweeten the other side of crime so that when you are an NPC pirate, which is what a lot of people enjoy being and, and don't get into too much PvP, um, how do they 
make a living and still enjoy the game. Yeah, now it's become a bit more exciting, a little bit more challenging for them, so that's awesome, and I'm sure they will welcome that. But like we'd all welcome, you know, anarchy systems becoming more difficult to get through so that you actually do think about it, especially if you're coming back from like some deep space exploration and you're thinking, right, I need to plot it and avoid anarchy systems. Um, I think, you know, as long as they can sweeten the other side as well, and I think, you know, wing missions, maybe if you go to pirate stations, you could get sort of pirating wing missions that are more about capturing large rewards uh, from ships that, and, and um, convoys and kind of like your old, you know, if you ever played pirates and Sid Meier's pirates when you had um, the treasure ship and you'd get the rumours of where it would be, send a wing mission to try and take out the, a treasure ship or a treasure convoy and um, they would require the four ships to take down all the different things and at least then the payout would be huge for them i think that's important as much as the retributions for trying to dissuade the continual ganking of players and making that a little bit more unpleasant for them so yeah. i think you know, it's good so far it, it does seem to be more of a punishment update more than a crime update but i if i remember back to the interview we had with sandro he did say the actual um rewarding aspect of of crime uh, would be uh, looked at as well at a later date. Am I right in thinking, remembering that? If you remember it, I remember it too. So we'll we'll take that as a yes. I'm not quite sure what Valadium means here. But Commander Valadium saying that they hope there'll be a Narshada type system with full dirty space stations and the such. Well, Narshada is the smuggler's moon from Star Wars, so. Yeah, you know, I guess you know you go along to read quats, you go in some dubious location, and you know it's 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 a well dodgy station, I guess that's full of crime, full you know lots and lots of crime, and I would be I'm all for that idea. Spider Spider are saying treasure convoy. Yes, there needs to be treasure convoys. Damn see right. when we see when we get space legs and we're walking around the space bars. Well. When you know, finally, when space goes quiet for about three weeks, as we all spend every single waking minute in a space bar, drinking, chatting to other commanders, you know, you know yeah, it always happens. That's what's going to happen. But if you could then talk to the dodgy guy in the corner with the strange beard and the slight smell of wee, if you can go and chat to him, and he kind of goes, "Er, I saw this ship here. I got this little map. If you go with those coordinates, I believe the treasure fleet will be coming in the next two hours." And you go. Cheers, mate. And off you go and um, get blown up by a um, group of nefarious pirates that have just lied to you. But that could be fun. So I think there's definitely potential here, and that was what my takeaway from this stream was, is, is they reinforced lots of systems within the game, and also then given potential to fix the rest of the stuff later on through the Beyond series of updates. So in terms of um, the other things that people were expecting, like the Chieftain, uh, visual improvements, trade data, etc., do we know any more about those than we did uh, this morning, or are we going to wait until uh, later on in the week? Nothing well, we, on the Chieftain. Um, we, do have, we do have one thing on the Chieftain coming out of the Pixel Bandits Awesome podcast. Yes, they said they were going to be um, showing off on Thursday. But we do know that the chieftain has two large um, hard points, one medium and three small ones. We, we also believe it's a medium ship. 
It's looking medium, yeah. Yeah, it uses a medium pad, and I believe Ed described it as being reasonably priced. Yeah, and more agile than a Federal assault ship. So there's a few wee things, but I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like. Um, You know, again, something that's, again, missing at the moment is the the SRV variation that we were kind of hinted at. That's been a real disappointment. Not, Not a big problem, but... You know, it's kind of exciting to think of going down there and having ground um, assault vehicles um, that are a bit more effective, like your little tanks, so that you can wing up with your SRVs and have a couple of tanks and a couple of maybe a bigger cargo carrier. That'd be great. And maybe one that's a digger uh, or a forklift truck so that it can lift the cargo into the cargo carrier. I'd love. Um, And then... And and then like station queues where you go, bing bong, your position six in the queue, please wait. Why do I just want like a game to be really, really dull like real life? What you want valet SRV parking where you like go to a base and someone parks it for you. <laughs> you get a ticket and you have to stand and wait in the queue. Yeah, I, I think no, I, I do like the idea of having more ground vehicles. I think the SRVs are absolutely stunning. I think we should have a sort of scout based SRV, which is great for you know better scanners and it's faster. I think yeah, JCBs, I think space JCBs really it's gotta be a space it's gotta be a funking space JCB, doesn't it? On the planet surface that helps load up the the um large um tipper truck SRV. I'm trying to think of everything I know from Bob the Builder and uh, Thomas the Tank engine. <laughs> Yeah, it would be nice to see some variations of um, SRVs. I do agree with that. All I want from my SRVs is a mining what? A mining shaft. So you've got your SRV miners, so they can dig into the surface to get bigger veins of materials. And then you could lay down track and have a little sort of cargo automated cargo system that takes it back to your ship. I I like that idea. You're just thinking with your Minecraft mine. Stop thinking Minecraft. Yes, sorry. I like, that's a good idea. Can we can we lay tracks and things like that? Well, definitely. You'd have to do so. You can yeah. spell out rude words that can be seen from space. Excellent. Yeah. And obviously, it can be stolen from as well. I'm assuming. Oh, oh, absolutely. Anyone can come down. But I mean, that could be your, you know, the equivalent of the new elite dangerous sort of mining rigs that they had of old uh, uh, that I never but used. Keep, but you know, keep it real time. Yeah, and have I maybe mean, automated SRVs as well. When we're going forward and we're talking about beyond the beyond, um, and people want to have those ground bases, then maybe that's the kind of ground base that's more realistic of setting up temporary camps and you know landing pads on a system, and then deploying different degrees of SRVs that you might have to do a couple of trips to go and pick up these kind of automated vehicles and then set them down and they start doing stuff then you've got to land, collect your your, your silos and stuff, I don't know I am thinking a complete utter uh, left field here, sorry, I'm going to get, should we get back on topic? I was just or, thinking we have you, a topic? You're, just, you're just getting into Bob the Builder now, because I can just I, imagine I, you uh, driving around in your little yellow digger and your blue dumper truck and I want a digger on the planet service I want to get into an SRV race and turn up in my JCB that's what I want to do so the other bits what I picked up on uh, from the uh, Pixelmatic interview was that uh, trade data will now be able to be viewed in real time from the systems that you have already visited, um, but it will be within a uh, limited radius. So, and they didn't say what the radius was. So you visit a system, you look at the you look at the trade data, you go I don't know, 
15 light years away, you can then see the trade data from that system that you visited. And I thought that was a really good update. I still don't think it's going to kick the likes of uh, EDDB or whatever on the on the head, though. No, I don't think it will. But what it does, it gives people who want to use only the in-game tools, which is a perfectly valid way to play, uh, it gives them another tool in the toolbox to be able to at least compete with EDDB and whatnot. Yeah. Shouldn't, shouldn't uh, they just go for some kind of newspaper subscription service? If you've got Galnet Audio, should we not be able to just like go, oh, yeah, you know what, I, I quite like ReadQuat. Maybe I'll get the ReadQuat daily and, and I'll get the blue trade papers from there and, and maybe add a wee cost to getting updates from systems that you visit when you pick up a wee digital subscription. Cause but isn't, that's that magazine, right? isn't, isn't that a bit like reading the share pages from the Financial Times? Yeah, having a look at your Bitcoin and, and whatever it's going to be called, it'll be called the Fed coin or something, um, the Tharg Tharg coin, and um, have a check and see how your stocks are doing in the Tharg coins. Maybe you can go down and SRV JCB yourself some more uh, Tharg coins, um, Meta Alloy coin. I don't know something along those lines. But you know, I think when you think about the advantages of being able to phone and contact commanders anywhere in the universe uh, continually get information from their ships as to their damage levels and shield rations but the big fecking funking stations can't tell you what the prices are well they will be able to but the reason why they're limiting it in range is simply because it would overwhelm the servers if they made it too much um, data Oh yeah, and, and, and it'll be that's that's absolutely fine. I say the the offline sites will help you plan your e coin. They'll find uh, space coins. Yay, space coins! So the question <laughs> is, why limit it to only systems that you've been to? Is we're talking galactic communications? Surely you should be able to see. Well, admittedly, if you're anonymous to some of them because you've been a bit naughty, you wouldn't see those ones. Like, say I haven't been to Akanar. But I do have the permit. For example, um, I should be able to see the trade data anyway. Have access well, to the system. And maybe when you buy buy the system information, you know, when you go to the the system apps, you could probably maybe send a request um, to a station to get that kind of information, rather than making it all automatically available. And maybe stations aren't doing particularly well. Say maybe they're in bust or famine or whatever. They might just tell you lies and tell you, for example, that meds are 24k per tonne, and you go flip it, heck, and you head over there and they go, ah, we lied, <laughs> we just got to pay your toll, <laughs> thank you. The the other part that I thought was really interesting, and um, I, I think this is with interest to our Pure Rack guests, is uh, with the uh, graphical updates, it will be possible to determine the mineral content of a planet by the colours on the surface. That does sound interesting, yeah. Because, I mean, we do have a few uh, Jumponium rescues or material rescues where we need to help clients uh, collect materials. So, yeah, that would probably help with that. Quite, it could be quite beneficial because uh, rather than having to, uh, to fly all the way to a planet and then do a detailed surface scan on it to determine if we, uh, if it has the, the materials that we need, we can simply jump into a system and, and from perhaps even from the system map, we can just have a look and say, nope, that's not going to have the materials we want at all, which could theoretically reduce the amount of time it would take to find planets out in the black, like 
deep in the box. We occasionally get rescues for our no one else's bane, or not enough people are bane, so it could reduce the time it takes to rescue some commanders. And I thought that was really useful um, and really cool. Obviously, we don't know what the color codes are going to be. But as you say, being able to determine the materials without having to use the scan on it is huge. Because I, I remember when I was exploring, I used to get really annoyed. I'd traveled, I don't know, 50,000 light seconds out to an interesting looking planet that I kind of hoped would have arsenic in it, only to be told it wasn't. So I thought that was a really positive thing, but I guess we'll find more about that on the stream. So just to finish off this topic, we have some dates, don't we, for when and what the uh, the next content reveals are going to be. Yes. Uh, so if I can just get the list up correctly. Uh, on Thursday, uh, it's going to be the Chieftain. Uh, the visual improvements to the planet, so I guess we'll see the, um, uh, so I guess we'll see if it is indeed possible to determine uh, what minerals are on a planet, uh, trade data improvements, and what they call the tech broker. So what do we think the tech broker is going to be? Is that materials trade or is that something else? It sounds kind of like it might be uh, an engineering tool. You know, to sort of tech to find out what levels of tech uh, uh, you can do in upgrades and stuff, and to track them and to tell you what you need to do and where you need to go. It might be more of a, an engineering aid to help people like me get into engineering when we're just too lazy to actually do it ourselves. Well, that's so, nice. well it's interesting because I'm looking at this on the next Tuesday, the 23rd, they've got something called the Material Trader. So could the tech broker be some sort of, oh, I've got a god roll on my friendship drive, I'll sell it to the tech broker uh, for a billion credits, and it's almost like a player-to-player -player auction house? Oh, I Ooh. can't imagine. I think I think that would That's give... That's one uh, thing they did say they want to keep away from, is player auction, player-to-player -player transactions, if I remember correctly. Yeah. I think that would make them poop their pants if the even kind of thought about bringing in some kind of player auction system that would just be um that would just cause that would cause a, an influx of salt the likes of no game has ever seen before they've specifically but, avoided doing that in the past like when you uh jettison materials excess materials they simply despawn they've made um explicit steps to avoid um allowing players to exchange engineering materials with other players so i highly doubt they're going to just uh turn around and completely change that now yes yeah, so we... sorry no i was thinking i, I mean i i do agree with you I, I wouldn't be in favor of it but i'm struggling to think of other than like a super shinrata um kind of thing what would a tech broker be uh, tech broker, so it's definitely deals to do with tech, so it's definitely interactions within tech, but whether or not it's a way of engineering um, access a little bit more easily, because I know we've got the engineering uh, apps, the external app, which is brilliant for keeping track of your materials, so maybe they've come up with some kind of in-game one to help you in such a similar way. Who knows? That one is quite an exciting prospect. I'll have a look and see if anyone in Twitch chat's got any ideas in case there's anything we're missing. It'll not be as ridiculous as No Man's Sky. 
Uh, ooh, that's a proud boast. <laughs> no, no players. Um, uh, silver, solar, gold farming. Uh, nope, nope. Uh, uh, data version of the materials one. Possibly. The other thing I thought it could possibly be is a way of swapping your engineering materials for experimental effects. So, like calling in a favour, but giving more materials. Because they said the 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 favour system for experimental effects won't apply anymore. So I'm just wondering whether you take your modified module to a tech broker, give them some engineering materials, and they then apply, I don't know, um, corrosive ammo to it or something. I'm just thinking. You know, one of the things they talked about in the past. With the likes of engineering and stuff came in and they brought in the sort of third-party um, contacts that you go to, why don't they try and introduce the likes of buying the blueprints from them and trying to mock them up yourself? <laughs> I mean, With a little rewiring minigame where you got to try and connect all the circuits. <laughs> that reminds me of the chemistry sets you got as a kid, doesn't it? You kind of open the box and there's copper sulfate and stuff in it. I've made pure green and horrible smells. <laughs> well, the uh, so moving on from the development news, because I think we've kind of covered lots of stuff there. Um, been a couple of other things that have gone on in game. Um, Obsidian Orbital has been attacked. Uh, did you all see uh, Obsidian's uh, emergency broadcast video you did of that? I didn't. I did. It's hilarious. I did, and I couldn't quite believe it was him. It didn't quite sound right. I think he needed another line in it. I don't know. Maybe it's. It's definitely Obsidian Ant. I I thought it was the perfect response to his station being attacked. Actually, yeah. What the? F I thought it was. I thought it was brilliant. I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's only 30 seconds, so it's well worth looking it out. Looking it up. Um, but it's got pretty much all positive comments from people, so fair dues to him for doing something a bit different just this once. I yeah, think and we I got... sort of speculated a long time ago about you know the first player system, the first player station to get blown up. <laughs> it couldn't have happened to a bigger person. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm it sure we, we were guessing it was going to be Obsidian Orbital, didn't we? Like, this time last year or something stupid. But to be fair, Obsidian Orbital is the only player owned station in Hades, so. Well, yeah. It could be just uh, a byproduct of a blanket attack on all stations in the Pallades. Pallades. I, I had to laugh at the timing of it because the day before <laughs> it happened. Uh, Obsidian put out a video saying, oh, the station repair missions are impossible and no one's ever going to be able to repair the station. The next morning, his station gets attacked. I thought that was particularly uh, uh, ironic. Yeah. Um, so, uh... so the last thing on the list is the uh, new Aegis gadget, the uh, decontamination Olympic controller. Has anyone had a go of it yet? I've not had a go of it yet. This is to stop the. This is to stop us having to burn our ships up, basically, if we get Lurgy on us. Yeah. Yeah. Or Docker Station, which also. Or, or Docker Station, yeah. 
It's interesting, but I actually found it a bit useless. Because You've got to be out of combat, don't you? If I remember correctly. Yes, because if you, it's like a, it's like a repair limpet. Mm -hmm. You know, where if you incur any damage, uh, the repair limpet is destroyed or detaches and doesn't work. So you can't use it mid Thargoid combat unless you run away and hide for a while. Um, but also, most people fight Thargoids within easy reach of a station, so they can go back, repair, and keep going to and from. So, as a use, I think I would rather have an additional uh, hull reinforcement module in the slot than a decontamination limpet. Do you know whereabout we can find them, by the way? Uh, I believe that they're, they're now in game. It was, it, they weren't in game when they said they were in game, but I believe they've now been added. Um, I mean, is it military bases, same as ever? It, it's military, high tech, refinery, industrial, uh, extraction, and um, they have to be a planetary base. Okay, so it's, you need horizons for it as well, then? Yes, yeah, so Alca Alcazar's Hope probably could probably be a reasonable place to look for it. I, I did look at Shinrata, but it wasn't there. Um, Oh wow, something that's not actually Sorry, a Yeah, <laughs> in use, it's, it's, it's interesting. I guess if you're in a wing and you're far away from a station and you want, you've got a ship that's acting as a repair ship, it's good. But if you're trying to solo a Thargoid, I think it's better replaced by something else. You know, I think if we could fire, I'm thinking of the, the Thargons and Thargoids and, and, and little fuckers that we call them. Um, if you could fire the likes of your heatsink and distract them in a sort of explosive heatsink that they would then, you know, crowd around and then it would detonate, that'd be pre a pretty cool new weapon to come out of the game. Oh, you mean like in Left 4 Dead where you throw the pipe bomb and all the zombies come on it and then you just blow it up? Yeah, that could be quite a cool thing to have. But then aren't so the Thargletts controlled by the Thargoid? They are yes. actually their own beings, well, so the Thargoid would yeah, attack that ship and they would ignore the um, Decoys! Decoys! You know, we work out, work out how they use the targeting and then we know... Okay, we'll just wait and see. Well, the question is, do they have any level sentience on their own, or are they, actually are they just drones that are controlled by the Thargoid? Because if they have any form of autonomy, then they could be fooled. Otherwise, the Thargoid would have to... You'd have to somehow trick the mothership, otherwise no, no well, delays... Uh, Distraction system will work. There'd have to be some level of AI on them moving as drones anyway, so they would be launched as a almost like our um, point defense, where you're you're not because in order to control them, you'd have obviously a, this sort of main drone, which then maybe that could be one you know one special drone in there that if you can find and take out the rest, then sort of lose the ability to to fight. Um, that could be an interesting mechanic to add. Uh, equally, if you can distract them and, and, and sort of send them off with a decoy, uh, that would be great. But yeah, I, I can't imagine that the Thargoid ship would be able to maintain controlling the ship and directing the drones. Well, since Colin's away, we can give him a special mission, which says, fly as close as you can to a Thargon, look in the window and see if you can see anything. <laughs> So, on that note, I think it's time for us to take a break, isn't it? Unless anyone's got anything else to add? Go for it. On the far side of the bubble. On the dark side of an airless moon. 
on the slightly more interesting side of a ravine. There lived the Engineer. The Engineer can make your lasers more powerful. Your engines speedier. And your gas tank really, really big. What do you want? I want fish. Wait, what? That's right, fish! Carp, char, chub, jack, loach, crabby, monkabate, prickleback, soul, snook, snake, tang, wahoo, wabagum, banjo, banga, snook, soul, shad, scat, come on by with the long nose cat. Noodlefish, nibblefish, northern squaw, hooma, hooma, nuka, nuka, wapa, wapa. What about Swedish fish? Why the hell not? Thanks, mister! You're in the wrong commercial! Well, shit! Fish, because, you know, Space! This is a public service announcement from the Fuel Rats. Please stop what you're doing and pay attention. If we can rescue you, we will. But you can help us help you by following these easy steps. 1. Fly 50 light seconds or so from the system's main star and drop out of supercruise. 2. Note down the current system and the nearest stellar body. 3. If you're on emergency life support, log out immediately. 4. Go to FuelRats.org and click Get Help. 5. Stay calm, hold your breath, and let our seasoned professionals do what they do best. The Fuel Rats. We have fuel, you don't. Any questions? Lave Radio. Transmitting to every corner of the galaxy. And we're back. Yes, yes, we are. I think we are. Are we back? Yes, we're back. Yep, we're back in the room. Excellent. Right there. So we're now moving on to our main discussion or our main topic. Um, which, rice pudding. Uh, rice pudding. With or without rice pudding, yes. Is that the code word for the next? Operation Rice Pudding. It's going down a treat. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, let's move on. So, uh, I'm not sure uh, how many of you watched this, but uh, back in late December, uh, the Fuel Rats performed perhaps one of the most daring rescues, uh, which was to rescue a commander who was seeking to go furthest from Seoul than anyone else has so far. Oh, and uh, a small trivial matter of bringing a hut and mug uh, into the void to between the galaxies. Uh, however, their plan hit a hitch um, after two days in supercruise and uh, after being in excess of 65,652 light years from Earth, Commander Pacera realized they didn't have enough fuel to jump back. So, bring on the fuel rats. 
Um, so we're delighted to have Commander Persera and her rescuers, Highway Warrior, a known mm. one, and Abish, are oh. uh, with us to share their epic adventure. So hello and welcome, everyone. Hello. Hey. Hello, world. Yo. <laughs> so we've got a few questions that uh, will hopefully spark some debate. So we'll, we'll start off with things from the from Pacera's point of view. So um, I, I followed your thread on the main forum um, quite a bit. Sorry, Grant, you wanted to say? No, no, you can't. You can't. I'll, I'll wait and see what you're going to ask first. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. Well, fair enough. I, I was going to just ask can you give us a brief overview of your journey. And uh, why did you even do it in the first place? Because it's <laughs> that, that was the question. Just, just quite simply, why? Uh, well, it was. Uh, it was actually meant to be a a farewell to elite kind of gesture. I wanted to do something big and grand, and uh, I, I've been playing the game, and I'm triple elite, and I've got all done everything that I could do. And I thought, well, I, I haven't gone to Beagle Point yet. Let's go out there. Let's do some exploring at the edge of the galaxy, and to make it fully elite, I had to bring a Hutton bug with me. So, it's a nice touch. Because I mean, the Hutton mug is it represented that you weren't bothered by a, an hour and a half journey to to go and pick that up. But um, clearly, that wouldn't be the case if you're quite happy to do. How long did it take you to get out of there? Uh, the, the trip out there is. It's somewhere around two to five days of, of travel time, depending on your ship build and things like that. Um, but obviously, that's spread out over over a number of gameplay sessions. And then the the twenty four hours, the forty eight hours in super cruise at the end, just to sort of take that distance beyond any doubt. Indeed, and and there were a couple of people who had done similar things before. Um, and I was sort of inspired by them. One was Commander Deluvian, who has actually since gone on and done another attempt where he spent 10 days in Super Cruise. So the record has already been beaten. He went uh, an additional 40-odd light years beyond where I was. So how does that you... Uh, sorry. All right. I'm just, just wondering, actually, how does that make you feel, you know, knowing... I know Shan said he was going to be nice to you, um... Yeah, how do you, you you went off and did this absolutely epic thing, and some equally mad person has flown out for ten days. You know, how do, how do you how do you feel about the fact they've gone off and broken your record thing? Well, I was kind of expecting it because of the publicity. Obviously, people are going to mm. try again, but I was glad that it was him because he was the one who who was posting about his journey. Um, it was, uh, actually inspired me and I wouldn't have even realize that flying out in Super Cruise beyond the edge of the galaxy would be an interesting thing to do if I hadn't even seen his post so. well, that's fair enough then so how did you keep your interest levels up because uh, you know where I've been to Hutt and other places I just watched lots of Netflix I mean how much Netflix did you watch when you were two days in Super Cruise uh, well actually a lot of the first day I was writing that account because that that account, you know, it's it's a couple thousand words of basically my entire history with Elite up to that point, um, completely in character. So it was uh, you know, a, a lot of time was just spent um, researching various bits of that and, and and adding all the details that made it interesting. 
And I take it that's obviously in the in the frontier forums. People can come and have a look at that if they want to have a, a catch up and see what your journey was like. Indeed. So yeah. So it's uh, uh, there's actually a lot of good detail if you want to go and explore the far reaches of the galaxy and, and focusing on, um, for example, one of the tricks to getting around very quickly is you want to be about a thousand light years below the galactic plane where there's a lot more neutron stars than there are sort of up up in the central part of the galaxy. Okay, so that's quite handy. So it's, it's kind of, you've, you've set a, a roadmap so that people could come along and retrace your steps and beat your record if they want, obviously with the knowledge of taking a little bit more fuel. Um, yeah. <laughs> or, or some way of, of, of synthesizing it with them at that point. Um, so that, that's quite good. How can uh, how easy is it to find your blog? Where can people go and look at it? Um, there were quite a few Reddit posts at the time, but it's um, in the exploration forum on the Frontier Forums. Um, and it's called The Void Beyond. Just just wondering, you said you've got a whole lot of neutrons if you go a thousand light years below. I mean, is that in either direction, either above or below, or is it only in one direction? Whichever seems, way below happens to be. It seems to be below, seems to be where they are. I haven't actually spent a lot of time above. Okay. Um, I, I have gone down to to much further than that, and it's, it, it's, it's a thin layer of a a couple hundred light years where they seem to be a lot more of them. No, there are about as many at the same distance above the uh, the plane as, as below. Okay, fair enough then. So. I'm just taking. I'm just going to get the link so that I can, we can put that into the show notes for anyone that's yeah. not been following it. Now, you took a Hutton mug. Um, any particular reason why you, you chose to take a Hutton mug? Um, it was... Originally, I had planned to just to have something there to recognize that uh, here is where I got to and put it there. I know the instance would disappear as soon as I, I left it and it would be gone anyway, but it just felt like the gesture of here is here is my mark on, on the on the galaxy at some level. Um, and obviously the most interesting for that would, was the Hutton mug. It just, uh, yeah, a it, sort of it, sign of insanity, uh, a sign of madness and space madness and an epic epically daft uh, endeavors and doing the impossible going to the crazy extents that you possibly can and doing it the hard way that's kind of what the sort of hut and mug represents isn't it and uh, in in the account that i was writing about this uh, i i had this nice little tie-in where it was some tourist little tourist shop on the hutton orbital had this promotion where they were getting people to 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 personalize their mugs and then having them sent out in this canister into deep space as sort of their own recognition of, hey, I'm a, I'm a, you know, somebody who who wants to be remembered. Well, yeah, that's definitely definitely worked out for you. Um, what we could talk about just now then is the what you could probably term the oh shit moment when you realized you were going to need help. Could you give us a sort of breakdown of uh, of what led up to that? Well, the, uh, the the calculations that you can do to tell you how, how long it'll take to go a certain distance are, are pretty simple. So you, you know that it's going to take about four hours per light year, and you know how much fuel you have, and you know how much you're using fuel. So calculating that 48-hour time span was pretty easy. But calculating how far you can squeeze it is much harder. So I was looking at the right-hand panel where it says both your maximum jump on fumes and your current expected maximum jump. And as you go further and further, you get less and less fuel, so your fuel goes, your possible jump goes up. 
but then at some point you start cutting into that. And so I thought I had one more opportunity for that to, to drop as the super cruise tank kind of takes fuel out of the main tank. And so I thought I had a little more to go. And then instead of it going down from 70 light years available to 50 light years available, it said, instead it just said, main fuel tank drained. And I'm like, oh, crap. So, so, I mean, did you really did you really think the fuel rats would come out and get you, or was it like a hail mary kind of? I don't, I've done all this effort and I don't want to lose it. Was it a hail mary, or did you think, yeah, they'll come and get me? It was one of those things where I I was more concerned that they would come and get me than that they wouldn't come and get me because I knew how much work it would be. Fuel rats are crazy fortunate. They will go above and beyond to get to where they need to go. Well, I think, you know... So you, they, uh, I have been a fuel rat for some time myself, and in emergency situations, for example, like this, they could have sent three um, rats out to go and rescue him, two of them being support ships, as long as they get the fuel. Well, let, let, let's hear from the horse's mouth, Terry, if you like. Let's see what uh, the fuel rats have to say. So, an uh, unknown one. Yeah, so, I honestly, when I when I first saw the rat signal on our rescue channel, I was like, okay, so, he's up, he's out near Beagle Point, this should be fun. And then, they are, and then the, the other rats already done, doing the calculations to ask if I had enough fuel, because, you know... 14 hours of super cruise requires more fuel than a, a, stand, a standard tank can hold, so I had to make a trip to Colonia and hold to refit my ship, and that was... At that point, I was beginning to get interested just how far out this commander was, and that's when I learned this was all for the mug. <laughs> that was... It was quite funny to learn this for I, the I mug, could just hear you screaming, time. those bloody truckers! <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah, was it? Did you did you have anything in particular with you as well to to keep you company for the entire journey? Um, for the entire journey, I mean, once I once I once I once I started heading out there, I was keep keeping track of the form the form the form post. Yeah, let me try that again. The form post, and then I saw that some people were asking were saying that the rescue should be live streamed. And I, I believe at that point I was the only rat assigned because they're being that far out and us being a volunteer organization. It sometimes takes a while to find rats that are willing to jump that far out and that are also in the area. Because this, having rats throughout your bigger point is a bit of a rarity. So, that said, um, so for the most part, while I was awake on the actual super cruise portion of the trip, it was keeping up with the live stream, and that kept me occupied as much as the rubber ducks did. <laughs> <laughs> the rubber ducks? What, sorry? Yeah, rubber ducks. It was a bit of a running joke. One of the other fuel rats. Uh, because, you know, there's a, bit of a, there's a bit of a joke that if you go exploring for any reasonable period of time, there's something called space madness, and, well... One of the other rats made the joke that I had gone insane, and I was, and I, my co-pilot was a rubber duck. I ran with it. <laughs> this sounds awfully like when I've gone out exploring, and I just periodically, yeah, I just, I periodically just start singing "Space Unicorn" by uh, Perry Barr. 
Yeah, it's just like it just it just enters my mind. And I just you you got to go with these things. Yeah, it's well, just one of those things. I'd probably have Tiffany. I probably have Tiffany on loop. I think we're alone now. Just slowly echoing and going round, or the carpenter. And then you get any carpenter song. <laughs> I was actually listening to that one in the middle of it. But another thing I wanted to say is when I actually first said, "Okay, I'm going to go on this rescue. I'm going to call jumps," and because it was so long, we. Uh, established means of communicating uh, with Commander Pacera outside of ISC because, you know, she can't maintain a connection all the time. And pretty much the first thing she said to me is, quote, you really don't have to do this. And my response was, you kidding? This will probably be one of the most interesting rescues I've done, pretty much, period. <laughs> so, you don't have to be insane to be a fuel rat, but it helps. So what? So who decided on 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 how on who went? Uh, was it like a fight to kind of? No, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. Or was it? Uh, okay, we've got this commander who's done this and deathly silent on IRC until you happen to log in and draw the short straw. How 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 was it decided? So so generally speaking, with the fuel rats, because we're volunteer organization, basically how it works is you raise a distress signal and. Any available fuel rats can take a look at that signal, say, okay, I'm going to jump on that, and then we do what's known as calling jumps, where we plot a course wherever the commander is and and report, report that to the dispatch, who then assigns us. Of course, in this particular instance, nobody was calling jumps, and they were discussing it quite vehemently in Rat Chat, our uh, general communications channel on IOC. And it was basically, okay, um, there's a commander and you, whoever's going to go and rescue him is going to need extra fuel tanks and they're going to need to commit to 48 hours of uh, real life time to super cruise. And then, then the chat kind of went silent and then I asked, okay, what's going on? Where is this commander? <laughs> yeah, they're um, usually on a first come first serve basis, so... As you said, when the um, when the call comes in, yeah, people will call out their jumps to the call. So, did anyone ever? Th if it's all the way out that far, people aren't going to be too interested in going. So, well, kudos did anyone ever? Kudos for going. Yeah, did anyone ever think, oh God, this is too far even for us? You know, was there any of that kind of? No, we can't. It's just too far. It's too much. Or was it? seen as a challenge that you just have to reach. Um, hell no, it was a challenge. Yeah, the few I viewed it as a challenge, just like... Uh, sorry, you were saying? Uh, yeah, they usually see it as like a challenge, you know. How far out can you get? How spectacular can you make a rescue? So, so getting into a bit of detail, I mean, because uh, one of the things that amazed me when I was watching it on live stream um, was it seemed that a lot of planning had to go in to this particular rescue. Yes. So, can you talk us through how you planned? Was there a special build or tactics, etc. you did? So, we did the math. Uh, the, um, I, w I went ahead and shut down all non-necessary modules in, in Supercruise and calculated my minimum base burn rate, which I believe was 1.06 tons an hour. We then did the math. We knew that uh, Commander Pacero was at least 48 hours in supercruise. Therefore, I needed 1.06 times 48. Let's see. 0.06 by 48, which is a total of uh, 50.88 tons. 
plus you need enough fuel to refuel that commander, so call that 60 tons. That is the minimum amount of fuel that we determined was necessary to, at bare minimum, re rescue Commander Persera. Then you have to add on the fact that we would like to get out of <laughs> the system without running out of fuel ourselves, so that's why you add an, an extra couple tons to make sure you can jump out afterwards. So once we and the default tank for an anaconda, which was the ship that I believe all three of us were using, only carries 32 tons by default. Yep. So, the planning was basically, we did the math, that, and we, made the, we uh, expressed that to any rats that wanted to go on this rescue, that you are going to need to put extra fuel tanks on. If you don't have extra fuel tanks, either put them on, or go find a res another rescue. <laughs> so, did you like have a relay of rats? If you like, when you were going out in super cruise, like you, you'd have say someone with a sixty-ton worth of fuel tank for fuel, and they would stop halfway, so you would only be needing the fuel to get back to them, sort of like a lifeline. Thing. So, you, uh, that'd be a Operation Black Duck style rescue. We originally considered doing it that way, but it turned out that all three of us had enough fuel to get out to the client. Of course, one of us didn't have enough fuel to make it out afterwards, so we did end up having to refuel one of, the sh one of our own, but... That, that was only life. because I wasn't actually um, prepared. I hadn't outfitted specially for the rescue. I was just in the area of Beagle Point anyway and happened to have some extra tanks and thought, yep. sure, I can help. And uh, Operation Bla uh, Black Buck was by the, uh, as I recall, by the Royal Air Force during World War II in the Falcon Islands, where they needed to drop, uh, to drop some bomb on the Falcons, but the bombers did not have sufficient range to get there and back, so it ended up being a relay where uh, support ships would fly alongside the bombers and refuel them, and once refueled, they would... They would fall back, so essentially, yeah, it was a rescue. Or it was a relay rescue. Uh, that would be the Vulcan bomber, wouldn't it? That flew yes. to Ascension Island. The Vulcan bomber. Yeah. So, how did you go from you know starting your 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 own run out there? I mean, how how does it go in the fuel rats when you know one was one crazy rat yourself um, goes? Yeah, I'll take this one on. Um, I'll need some help. How did you manage to get other people to come and help you? Well, so, <laughs> I, I was I was the wrong side of um, Colonia at the time. In fact, I was two jumps from Colonia. And I, the, the story behind mine was I was on my way up to meet Commander Picard um, for a Christmas rendezvous. Um, and I actually had a hut and mug on board, which I was going to give him as a Christmas present. And the um, the RV point was up near Beagle Point in any case. Um, so Can I was you introduce about... yourself, sorry, just sorry, for yes. audio? Commander people. Highway Warrior. Um, so, um, so I went into, I, w I was on my way into uh, make a quick stop at, um, at Colonia and I was two jumps away and I got sent to, um, rescue another commander who was about 5,000 light years, uh, southeast of Colonia. Um, so I, I ended up going to him. Um, and then it was whilst that was going on that this job came in and I saw the unknown was going to it and, um, considered that as i was going up in that general direction anyway and um it wasn't the sort of job you want to do on your own and um, we always like to have uh, contingency in place just in case 
uh, a rat suffers technical issues or instancing which problems or, or whatever, you, which you did indeed. Yeah. Um, so I, I I volunteered to uh, to to back up um, uh, the unknown one um, uh, on the job after I finished the rescue. Um, just off Colonia, so I then had to go into Colonia myself and uh, swap out some modules and fit additional fuel tanks, um, and then headed up to uh, to assist him. And I think um, Commander Abish was somewhere up near Beagle Point at the time. In any case, is that right? Yeah, I was. I was already uh, heading to Beagle just because I'd never been there before. Just and uh, saw the rescue and thought, oh, I'll uh, I can help out. I've got to give him a hand. So you didn't have the opportunity of fitting additional fuel tanks in your ship. So you were um, you were all prepared to make that ultimate sacrifice in in many regards, weren't you? More or less, yeah. I, I worked out that if it was exactly forty-eight hours, then I could have made it, sent like two tons of fuel, and still One been ton. able to jump out. I, I believe we did the math. You would have yeah. gotten there with exactly <laughs> one ton to spare. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I ended up going out with um, 160 tons worth of um, fuel tanks um, so that I could refuel Commander Abish, Persera, and if um, uh, the unknown one needed any, then I had enough for him as well, plus myself. So, um, yeah, we, we had it covered. Yep. So uh, I, m- I mentioned I had tech- we had something about technical difficulties and passing. So basically what happened is I was jumping out to Beagle Point the neighborhood power failed catastrophically and then got restored and then browned out and then failed again entirely for a couple hours. Uh, which pretty much put me out of the action while uh, uh, Commander Howe, Warrior and Abish were giving them plenty of time to catch up. Then when the power was restored, I discovered that my uh, the PC that I play Elite on, which is somewhat beefy, it's, I built it for gaming. Um, I was unable to launch Elite. The entire thing just hard reset, and after a while, it was determined that I would not be able to repair the computer in time, and I may or may not have been able to complete the rescue, which was not fun. But thankfully, I have I have a laptop, which was just powerful enough to play Elite on high settings, as well as stream Elite to Twitch at the same time. So. I arrived late at the rendezvous, which uh, the um, at the system, so I was a couple hours behind uh, Highway Warrior and Abish, but I managed to catch up. And that's when things started getting interesting for me, uh, because I was actually traveling the weekend when the rescue was happening, and I arrived in. Uh, um, uh, so I was trying to get my laptop working, which is actually an old MacBook that can barely run Elite. And um, I didn't seem like it was going to work, but then uh, I had planned so that I should be able to get back in time. Unfortunately, I was traveling on a bus that ended up being basically two hours late. And uh, since I had no other option at the time to try and make the scheduled rescue time, I, I booted up the laptop one last time and said, okay, well, see if this can actually work. Thankfully, it did. So the initial rendezvous on that day happened while I was traveling on a bus connecting to Elite over my cell phone connection. (laughs) (laughs) That's crazy. Now that there is dedication. 
That's great. Can you imagine how that's going to look in the live stream if they arrive and then you crashed out? <laughs> you just disappeared, <laughs> leaving three fuel rats stranded out there and then the rescue going out for those three. Um, it's a spectacular thing you you guys undertook and you got to enjoy, what was it, close to 3,000 viewers watching the final rescue. How did that, you know, did that add to your nerves? Well, in my case, it was, I was just so stressed trying to get all of my, my computer working. Trying to fly Elite with a trackpad is, is actually quite difficult. And so I was actually just scrambling to get a mouse plugged in, and I had barely any attention to pay to what was going on at all. I was just like, I need to do this stuff that is going to get me refueled and able to, to leave. So that was me. So, um, so Pacera, all this time you were logged off because presumably you had so little fuel left, you were in danger of, of shutting down. So how did you feel when you heard the fuel rats were on their way? Did you think they could remotely rescue you at all? Um, well, I've actually, I got to the point once when I was going to try and become a rat. So I'd, I'd done enough research about how to, how to be a fuel rat that I was reasonably confident that if they could go and get enough tanks and, and, and we're going to commit to doing the flight, that there shouldn't be any real in elite problems getting it to happen, except for possibly finding me. So that was the, the thing that was the worry, whether or not the, the wing beacons could be active long enough for them to triangulate where I was exactly and, and get to the point that I was at. So you must have been delighted when they turned up and, and started firing limpets at you. It, yeah, very much so. It was. Uh, uh, I, I think I described it as you. you uh, the, the, it was. It was almost all about sound because the the visuals were this tiny little laptop, as I say. So the you, you hear the sound of a ship dropping out uh, thousands of times by this point. But uh, at that point, I got to hear it three times in rapid succession, and it was the most glorious sound I've ever heard. Just one one question: Are you are you are any of you guys home yet? No, no, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm still heading back from Beagle. I'm, yeah, I'm still in deep space, somewhere, somewhere northeast of Sagittarius. Yeah, northeast of Sagittarius A at the moment. Yeah, I'm, I'm nebula hopping my way back, so taking, taking the scenic route. So I'm still on the far side of Sag A. I'm about uh, twenty uh, thousand light years from Colonia now, so I'm uh -huh. probably the closest uh, to getting home. Yep, I'm near a bigger point than anywhere else at the moment. And and then I suppose the sort of million dollar question really is, well, obviously for Procera, would you know, obviously you would rely on the fuel rats again in the future. But are you planning any more um, record breaking uh, journeys? Uh, probably not record breaking journeys, though. Um, I, although I do, I definitely want to make it home safe. So as as has been suggested, I'll probably be trying to contact Iridium Wing for an escort both into Colonia and into um, the bubble as well, because I want to sell most of my exploration data uh, at the systems that'll benefit the mischief. Fantastic. And, and then the question, the, the, the million dollar question to the fuel rights is, um, <laughs> if the call comes in again for something even further away, would you hesitate to accept it this time? No hesitation. Well, absolutely not. Definitely not. 
you're, you're a mad bunch of absolute. <laughs> hey, if, if, we'll go, if, if anywhere someone for can get out there, if, if someone can get out there and run out of fuel, we can get out there alongside them with fuel to spare. We have fuel. You don't. Any questions? <laughs> well, no, I've got not any questions. Um, we obviously, um, as, as a sort of one of the, the members of the Hutton Truckers and, and the, one of the core teams, uh, we love the kind of craziness that can happen in this game. And after the, the recent poor sod that went out to Hutton to pick up his free his free anaconda, which then sparked the, the horse uh, expedition out there when they did that massive sort of weekend of flying out there, which was tons and tons of fun. We kind of like to be able to sort of mark these occasions in the, the way that we truckers always see, which is when we see crazy-ass mentalist behaviour, but of the playing with players and the positive side of things, we just want to reward it. So... There's four of you. Now, we have two types of mugs. One of them is the sort of standard hut mug for stuff that's done down in the bubble. And then for things that are carried on out in the deep recesses around Colonia, we have the hot call mug. And I would very like, on behalf of the hut and truckers, like to send you each one of the hot call mugs in recognition of the amazing rescue that you've carried out. And per sir, for being... Well, just mental, frankly. What did, you, what did you do to yourself? So let's take these hut and mugs from the virtual and let's put them into the reality world for you. So before you go tonight, if you just let us know shipping addresses that I can send these to, I'll get them off to you this week. Fantastic. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. Awesome. That's... No, so at least we could do it to just to mark such a, a momentous journey, a crazy bit of excitement that you created in the game of positivity, which is really important to recognize i think it's far too easy to sort of fall into the old negatives and the dooms and the salt mining and all the kind of falling out that happens around different things and updates so it's nice to have these moments of sheer madness that are for the right reasons and positive and damn well we are going to definitely mark this and uh yeah so on behalf of the hunt truckers we would like to send you all a hot colonia mug in recognition of your actions and your rescue and pursue as I say for being just a felt frankly a mad mental trucker I think <laughs> I think you fit into that category now <laughs> that's awesome thank you very much hey, and, and hey, also hey. I think sorry I, I also think um, we need to say thank you um, to the elite community who is following the uh, rescue either on the twitch feed or on the forums um, we got an awful lot of support um, and it was great to have that support while we were busy flying in super cruise so from from me personally thank you um much appreciated and i definitely want to say one more thank you to, to everybody who helped get me back because it was uh definitely that that moment i think my heart was beating you know incredibly for the for the next 10 minutes practically after being rescued just so delighted that everything had worked out and i was actually going to be able to get back again now, when I say I'm going to send out a mug, I'm going to send it somewhere flicking miles away from where you live. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I'd, I'd like to say a big thank you to uh, Commander Pressera for creating this entire situation to begin with, as well as the entirely dangerous community, and who knows who else showed up, because honestly, when I started the live stream, I only expected a couple people in the form post to be watching. I expected, like, five people. But you would not know how pleasant, pleasantly surprised I was when the view account just snowballed into the thousands. That is truly what made the rescue worth it for me. I mean, it was it was worth it either way, but 
I am humbled that so many people yeah, wanted to see this. this. There's a there's a little question. I've seen many uh, stout and angry uh, Twitch streamer. I'm thinking about Mad Dog here. You know, with the strong and huge personalities, and I've seen uh, all kinds of different streamers doing these kind of last sort of second, the the end of the event. You know, that successful completion. How close to tears did you get? <laughs> Two steps from the edge. That's how close I got. Two steps from the edge. It's one of those things where there is a genuine emotional reaction to it, and whether or not it's like when you have a convention and you've been down to you know the likes of LaveCon, Fantasticon, or you've been into Expo, and you have that morning after the event, and you've got the huge high of everything you've achieved, and then you have that moment of. Oh, it's it's over, and then you get that kind of real sense of uh, yeah, the blues. Are you, are you all suffering from a bit of the rescue blues, or has there been enough invitations onto podcasts and groups to explain this uh, to keep you guys away from the blues? Um, I actually went traveling pretty much the week after the rescue, so I never actually thought about that. It really didn't dawn until I saw the. Uh, it like the two thousand odd, three thousand odd concurrent viewers on Twitch that I said, how big, how big of a mess did I just step into? <laughs> I don't really got the sense of the blues. Still a little bit in shock, to be honest. Well, that's good. That's good. You know, you, I also, you silly. I find that uh, every time I launch Elite, it still has the little history in the uh, uh, the the articles linked are the two rock paper shotgun articles about the rescue. Um, so like I get this little reminder. Oh, I was the third person who got who's famous for running out of fuel. <laughs> I think we we certainly noticed the um, the knock on effect in IRC with um, elite dangerous commanders trying to join the fuel rats straight after that. It was massive rush. I want to be a fuel rat. I want to be a fuel rat. Um, so I I think you know from my perspective, it was um, it was an emotional high without a doubt when we when we did the rescue. It was. Um, absolutely brilliant and then you know i was buzzing for days afterwards and then you do you get that little come down from it like well what do i do next to top that kind of thing you know um but you know it, it was um it, it was really enjoyable actually i i would i would do it again without hesitation yeah that's great so thank you very much uh commanders um, feel free to stay on till the end of the show and chip in. It's been, it was a gripping story to watch, and um, th there's one, there was one thing in that really underlined the class of you guys was that you deliberately made it so that you didn't overtake the Sarah, so they would still hold the rest record, uh, and that was a class move. I, I really appreciated the fact that you took that extra effort to make sure that they still had the record after you rescued them. And I thought that was really good. Yeah, yeah thank we, you. Yeah, we did we did plan that, didn't we? Unknown. Yes, um, we 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 uh we planned quite meticulously to make sure that we didn't overshoot because honestly, our only function there was to refuel Commander Pacera. The record that she set is rightfully right, rightfully hers. If we want to set the record ourselves, we can do it on a separate occasion. Right. 
Thank you very much again, guys. Uh, I think we'll have a brief commercial break before uh, we go on to uh, the rest of the show. So thank you very much again. Uh, make sure you give uh, Cal your details, your very deserved uh, mugs. And uh, we'll talk to you in a bit. Great, thanks. Thanks for having thank us. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Why the long face? Exploring is boring. What? What makes you say so? Because I have to scoop for fuel at every single store. And then the voices I hear in the store tell me to... Whoa. Sounds like you've got a case of space madness. No what you really need is really big gas tank. What? With a really big gas tank, you'll be sailing the Milky Way in style and comfort. No more hanging out at every stupid store just to refuel. It's as easy as honk and go. Gotta get to Beagle Point for a romantic interlude? Just honk and go. Wanna be the buckiest ball in the galaxy? Just honk and go. And if you fill your really big gas tank with patented Jumbonium 5000, you can honk and go, go, go! Gee, thanks, mister! No, thank you. Really big gas tank. Because why wait when you can honk and go? Jumbonium 5000 has been known to cause extra arm growth, outdoor mayonnaise, tripism, and spontaneous targle face. Use only as directed. He was a space pirate with quirky habits. Hi. Most people find me quirky. I don't eat in front of people. She was a busy space liner captain with no time for love. I've got 50 passengers to take on a space whale watching tour. I don't have time for dating. But when fate throws them together, the result is pretty inevitable. You're like no man I've ever met. Forget my job, ship and crew. Where should we go for a date? It better not be a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> From Sydney and Dreams Entertainments comes a new total immersion experience. It was incredible. I just put on the headset and it's like I was there in the story. Using Sydney and Dreams' patented Dreamware immersion headsets, you'll feel the love. It was like I could feel everything that plucky ship captain was feeling. You'll feel the passion. Let's just say when they got off, I got off. You'll feel everything. Did you enjoy your meal? Ooh, I don't think I should have had that raw seafood. Sydney and Dream Entertainments and Dreamware headsets, bringing you closer to the adventure. Sydney and Dream Entertainments is a division of Sydney and Dream Military Educational Software. Combat training software also available. Please be aware that improper use of the Dreamware headset may lead to psychosis, time loss, memory impairment, and hallucination. Live radio. It's even louder than me. Wait a minute. That can't be right. And we're back. So joining us now is Commander Stephen Usher, um, who wants to have a, a brief talk to us. So, Stephen, over to you. <laughs> Uh, good evening. Um, well, I was actually invited earlier this evening um, because after the Kickstarter, there was the opportunity to purchase with extra funds you you pledged to the uh, Kickstarter uh, for 3D printed ships. Now, originally, I think the um, delivery date was supposed to be something like March 2013. Well, they arrived today. And, um, yay! yay! Uh, just a little bit late, but better late than never. 
are really nice actually they they can't um they turned up as three big boxes at my work um pulled open the first one or oh, lots of bubble wrap okay more bubble wrap more bubble wrap and then i came down to a box full uh, a pl um, clear plastic box with a black lid full of tiny little uh, expanded polystyrene balls um, which probably exploded in into the air as I opened the lid because of all the static electricity um, after clearing up the the, uh, the the office a bit um, managed to dive down and out came a Viper which I'd forgotten I actually um, ordered um, the other two boxes two Cobras one of them in the default colors and the other in my bespoke uh, paint job in lieu of the cutaway version which they couldn't make in the end were these because you, you're saying you ordered did you order these as part of the kickstarter rewards or was, yes. was there was a wee bit of time afterwards where they were selling uh selling these and then yes there were there was basically an opportunity during the latter stage of the kickstarter to add more funds to your pledge to get the 3d models and then afterwards if you had excess money from your pledge than your reward level you could put that towards by buying inverted commas uh the 3d chips uh, okay so um just because i've not obviously we've not seen them yet have you put photographs up yes i'm going to try to uh post it onto the uh twitch um channel where I've, if I've you got... can't do it send send me a link and i can do it okay well it's just that they're on my local server so if people start downloading them uh we may lose the um skype feed but i'll, I'll post them anyway okay well the other question i've got for you then is um you've received them what what are they made how do they feel what are they made are they metallic they, are they, they they are plastic uh not sure exactly what they're made of uh but they they feel reasonably light so it could be abs patch plastic uh they i can't see uh of the normal lines you get from 3d printing they're really very highly detailed um the only the only issue is on the Cobras, you you know you've got the thrust vector veins at the back on the engines. Um, one or two of those had fallen off, so they're very, um, very fragile. I, I managed to push them back in, but um, I think I'm going to have to put a dab of glue on there to keep them get, keep them on there. But the, the boxes that come in, they're basically, they, there's a, the, the lid I was talking to you is actually the base. There's a little hole which you can stick in a um, perspex rod, which they supply, and that goes into the bottom of the ship. And then you put the clear uh, box over the top to make a display. Very nice, actually. Yeah, they sound really good. So you you are happy with them, and you're you're worth the wait. Definitely. Do you have any idea who Frontier used to actually make them? Is I have that... no idea at all. Okay, that's um, not mentioned. No, and uh, I had an email when when they um, said that they couldn't make the cutaway model, which was about two and a half years ago now, saying... Is that that's the cutaway anaconda, is it, or is that cutaway, something else? Uh, the uh, cutaway anaconda 
or the cutaway Cobra. There were that you had uh, choice of two, and I think you had the Viper as a cutaway as well, except they couldn't produce those. And as I say, two and a half years ago, when they said they couldn't, and I was offered the bespoke paint paint job, uh, they said, "Well, we're we're just waiting for someone to paint them." So maybe they've had them in stock for a very long time and just not painted them. I'm glad they finally turned up because that is that kind of represents one of the only major hangovers from the Kickstarter. I think I was think the, it probably was the last one, wasn't it? Yeah, I think that's the last bit. Um, although, did they not have the um, the ship poster? Uh, that's true. We haven't had that yet. So the identification no, chart thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, we have had it. I think yes, we have. It's not as good as the um, third party one though. Or the star map, which yeah. is nice as well. The star map was nice. Yes. So yeah, that's quite impressive. So there you go. We've ticked the last box. Well done, Frontier. Um, <laughs> uh, I think just that might, mode. might quell some of one or two of the most vociferous uh, people on the on the forums in the private backers forum. Yeah, we need to remain. Have, have they ordered a comment, or are they happy? I don't know yet. I've only just this evening posted the pictures. Say and said that the uh, ships have arrived. So we just need to wait and see. Then all that's yeah. thank you for sharing the, the pictures with us oh, and, no and letting us know what they look like. Excellent. Uh, it's one of those curiosities of my goodness, those are big boxes, aren't they? Yes. I mean, looking at it, they're big <laughs> models. I mean, that's what the Cobra looks about the si- size of a keyboard. Uh no, the the the. the, the the perspective is a bit strange there, but okay. the Cobra is probably about um, 20 centimetres across, okay. 25, so it's not not small, but it's not it's not huge, it's not a keyboard size, but... Right. Um, I am definitely jealous. <laughs> Sorry, I, I'm actually trying to identify the travel mug in the background. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, it's probably just uh, the local one, the local conference, or one of the um, freebies from a, an exhibition. Yeah, fair enough. Not a, um, escape <laughs> yeah, velocity it, mug, is it? It's no, not an escape no. velocity one or a hot and truckers one, though. No. no, they're all at home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, these, I mean, these look. Yeah, I'm just looking at these just now. They look absolutely amazing. Yeah, they're very the the. Um, standard Cobra paint job, I have noticed a slight um, problem with it in that there's a bit of overspray of the blue onto the white, but that's not a problem. Oh, the, looks like, it just looks like weathering. Yeah, but the, the, the Vulcan Bomber uh, bespoke paint job, that's excellent. All I need to do now is find a way of getting um, decals and the uh, registration numbers on it. Oh, yeah. Hannant, UK, they sell spare decals <laughs> for models. Okay. Well, we, we, I'd need to try and uh, replicate the, um, the the name tag or the, from uh, Elite Dangerous and the, the registration number. Well, they, they, they sell, sorry, I'm getting geeky now, but what they, what, what, what Hannant's have, other model yeah. shops are available, of course, um, but what they'll have is they'll have decal sheets with um, letters and numbers on oh, yes. in the font that 
you would have on a Vulcan, for example. Yeah. So you could buy some of those and make up. Sorry, well, I, yeah, I'm actually it... just thinking you need to flounce to Frontier and say, this isn't the same as my ship, I need my decals. <laughs> yeah, the founder at the front, of course. And, uh, <laughs> and, maybe, <laughs> and maybe a Lavecon uh, decals on the side. Oh, I, you oh, need to miss it as well, don't you? You could go back and say, hold on a minute, this isn't my Lavecon skin. <laughs> <laughs> I think if I was the painting artist for that one, I would tell him to get stuffed as well. Um, <laughs> thank you very much for sharing that with us, Stephen. That is awesome. It's um, uh, no. really good to see. Thank you. Indeed. Yeah. Thanks, Stephen. Bye. Okay. So great. So we've got a couple more, um, couple more news items. Uh, one of which I'm not going to read out because it's about me. Um, but the one on my will, which was if you own a Logitech keyboard with the little LCD screen inside, so that's either a G19 or a 15 or I think a 13 or a 510, um, actually, you, you found another companion app that works on them, haven't you? Yes, um, although I don't have the keyboard itself, um, I do have the application because um, if it doesn't detect the keyboard, it will bring up a window which into a second screen or on top of Elite use. And the download link for that is going to be uh, in the show notes as well. It will be in the show notes and I'm just going to copy it into the Twitch now. Um, being as I am actually streaming I can probably bring it up um, on the stream. That one? Yes, it's that one. <laughs> so, <coughs> I get, while I'm sitting in space, I've got um, just some information about the system, the different stations that are in it, imported commodities. Imported com um, another cool feature is it can. Um, emulate um, system chatter um, when you're in supercruise which Christopher Jarvis in Bit Velocity it lines up quite well with that and I quite like it it's um, something to listen to it's that got, looks quite cool got various um, got GPS for when you're on the ground or near um, planets you're trying to find a specific location which is quite handy. We've um, also got an orrery, so you can have a look at the system, what planets are in it, where they are, roughly. It's a bit of a weird application, it'll take a bit of getting used to, but clicking on the um, area at the top will bring up the menu, bring up various options audio options, radios in there, and yes, Lave Radio is listed. I haven't added it there myself, so I'm assuming by default it's the station. That's in my opinion, but it's the third station. Um, picks up podcasts, has visualizer, as well as base traffic option. It can pull up various news, but I haven't worked out the sources for 
Yeah, one of them appears to be the Galnet and the other appears to be Reddit. No idea what subreddit that would be watching. And it's, we've got various options to play with. It's, it's worth looking at. It's, um, if anything else, it's just something to put on an screen. I've got to sit into the left-hand side of my map. You feel a little bit more Yeah, I think Nephilis is getting very excited about Auroris. So can, just, just, can this just work as an overlay on your game? You would have to use a pinning tool to pin the window on top of your game. It's designed to run on the Logitech keyboards with your little LCD on them. So if you had a yeah. second, if you had that second screen, could you then put that window on a second screen? Yes, you could. Um, that's how I run it usually. You go into the options menu. Look here, where I found it. The option. You can change the window resolution. So at the moment, I've got it set to three times its normal size. <coughs> oh yeah. So unfortunately that doesn't change, I haven't remembered the key, I can't remember the key co uh, combinations, so I have to restart the application for to apply, but... No, that's pretty cool, and you've got the always on top and title bars and stuff, so you can really customise it if you're using a, a tablet as a monitor screen or something, or you can put it on the tablet and things, so it's yeah. quite configurable yeah. for multiple things. Oh, it's designed to go on a key, uh, little LCD screen on a keyboard that's no bigger than a screen on your phone, so it's easily readable in green state. Quite nice. Reasonably easy to navigate. Awesome. I really like that. I think, you know, I think I'm going to have to have a look at that. The link is now in... Twitch chat, guys go and have a play with it, seriously, it's worth I don't have a Logitech keyboard, I downloaded it I like it, I like it a lot Definitely worth playing with Yes So the next news article uh, Shan won't read out um, I'll read it out for him So Shan has broken the NPC crew payments system and has caused a negative value to be displayed on the crew payments total panel. Fortunately, it's only a display bug. He's not getting paid by his crew, but it's a funny one. Yeah, I was most disappointed when it turned out they're not paying me. Um, but what it is, uh, is if you pay your crew more than the maximum value of a 32-bit signed in integer, it uh, flips over and becomes a negative value. So, for one of my crew members, I have paid them over two billion one hundred and forty-seven million four hundred eighty-three thousand and six hundred and forty-seven credits, and paying them more than that has caused a negative value. Um, I did do quite a bit of testing to make sure that it wasn't actually messing up my account. But Frontier have said, "Yeah, it's because you've exceeded this value for paying one of your crew." and uh, we'll try and fix it so i but i like pretending uh the crewmen now pay me for putting them in harm's way so i've just got some messages on skype with some pictures chris forrester has downloaded this and put it on his key bring them up on the screen if you want to continue talking no so that was it really so yeah so 
I've broken NPC crew payments. Um, I'll have to try and break something else as well with NPC crew because they deserve it. Or NPCs. What did they ever do to you? Um, <laughs> exist. Pictures, the, like, it, really Shams nice. paid them some like what? You paid them like how many billion did you say? Uh, Max said basically. Yeah, basically, if you pay them more than two billion one hundred forty-seven million four hundred eighty-three thousand six hundred forty-seven credits, if you pay them more than that, it breaks the display on the crew payment screen. Actually, silly question: Is stream sniping not a bannable offence? I went boom. Apparently, you did yeah, go but... boom. Jo- Johnny Kirk has. Oh, and Revan's here have been basically killed. Uh, they killed me outside of Obsidian Orbital, and they just killed you. Fair play to them. No, I'm surprised, actually, that Obsidian Orbital... Well, I'm, I'm kind of surprised it's not defending people, but maybe I shouldn't be surprised by that. But well, everyone's fire. on the side being rescued. Found ways to get all the weapons. They did, uh, yes. Yeah, in Frontier, I don't believe they've got any policy on stream sniping. But in a majority of games, yeah, they would frown upon it and go tut, tut, tut. Indeed. Tut, tut, tut. How dare you go off and attack people who are too busy talking to actually pay attention to what you're doing. <laughs> well, yes. But anyway, I'm come next. Too rich to care. Come, come, come 3.0, crime and punishment is being changed, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, I did notice, actually, Ed called um, Beyond Season 3. Yeah, even though they're not calling it season three, he called it season three. And Sandra called the update three point as well. Yeah. Interesting. Just to get so, a mixed message that causes problems. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, we'll finish off, I think, the show with some shout-outs. Uh, in that uh, Laycon is confirmed for the eighth and tenth of June. Uh, tickets on sale soon, I believe. Anyone got any more information on when we can expect tickets to be on sale? Yes. Oh, do you want to? Do you want me to say it out loud? Yes, please. Well, yes, please. Okay. So the uh, official uh, snafu is that um, they were hoping to have tickets going on sale tomorrow, so that that's not going to happen. Um, but they will announce tickets going on sale 24 hours before they do. So you will not find yourself in a situation where you don't know about them before they're on sale. You will have 24 hours notice before they definitely go on sale. And where do they look for this information? On the LaveCon Facebook page or the Twitter? Or... Well, you can go to Lave, You can go to laveradio.com, click on the LaveCon, or you can go to the Hicks with Sticks website, which if if I remember correctly, it is hwsevents.co.uk and go to the shop where you will find um, access to where these tickets will appear. But essentially, it'll be the LaveCon 2018 that you're looking for. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we'll be tweeting it out and things like that on the live radio stuff anyway. We'll be shouting it out loud so that you can get yeah. your tickets nice and early. Excellent. Oh, and we should add that they're going to be released in two batches, so if you don't manage to get any in the first run, then do not panic. They've held back rooms and for the particular volunteers, etc., who may not acquire them. So there'll be a second batch run as well uh, later on. Uh, do we know if camping is going to be available this year? Ooh, I thought you'd never ask. Um, yes, I believe there will be some camping. 
not just me and Ben at the bar late at night on the Friday. Um, there should be some camping options available. Not entirely sure what they're going to be, or be, but I imagine they will appear with the tickets um, on release this time round. Uh, last time round, there was an investigation that needed to be done and agreements that had to be reached, which was after the initial ticket sale. So um, hopefully everything will go on sale together and you can get your your cheaper camping um, tickets if you wish. Or you can, again, don't forget there are other hotels in the area. So it's not uh, the be-all and end-all to be at the event. It's just nice to be there. Excellent. And the, uh, the next shout-out we have is for the CQC Discord. So if you are finding it a little bit difficult to get hold of uh, CQC matches, uh, go to the Discord and uh, get yourself involved. And again, the link for that will be uh, in the in the show notes when they're when they're released. It will be, but the URL for that is discord.me/elitedangerousCQC. So it's, it's a fairly easy one to remember. Indeed, and. Uh, which only leaves us with the in-game commanders, or the ones that we uh, that we can see. So, uh, Shan, oh, sorry, not Shan, um, be- uh, Toxic or uh, Ben? It'll be Toxic because I was killed and I'm back at the rescue ship now. I can't see many people, but there's Commander Johnny Kirk over there. Well, he's he's the one who shot us, so we don't like him very much at the moment. Okay, no hi to you then. Yeah, Commander. Oparomi? Is that like macaroni but with Willy? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. If I remember correctly, Pom's been, there, Ventura- Pom's been there, Ventura's been around. Um, Marshall. Yeah. Um, but, oh, I saw some other folks and I can't remember who it is. We've there's been a load of. There have been a, a fair bunch of people, but unfortunately. Yeah, RSM have basically just shown up and decided to shoot everything. Sergeant Sloth is at Lave Station. Paul Archer's there. Commander Validium is also here. We've had a couple of people that have since gone um, that were hanging around for quite a while, carrying on as well and having a lot of fun. Um, let me just see if I can get their usernames. Oh, yep, Codlips. Commander Codlips was here as well, running around like a crazy person and taking my hull from 100% down to 38 Excellent. So, uh, anyone else kindly want to add before we uh, close the show? I think I think on that note, before Toxic explodes, or maybe as he explodes, should we sign out? I think so, yeah. Combat log! <laughs> <laughs> now we've got some special people outside, obviously, doing some kind of uh, unpleasant... Um, Blockade of the Obsidian Oracle being, yeah, being a bit blech. That's one way anyway. to get a mention on Live Radio. Okay, so on on, on that note, uh, we'll wrap it up for uh, episode 182. Uh, thanks very much to our special guests, uh, Commander Persera, uh, Commander the Unknown One, uh, Commander Abish, and Commander Highway Warrior. So thank you very much for coming. And... Uh, yeah, you're welcome. So, so, if you would like to get in touch with the show, then you can uh, email uh, info at laidradio.com and uh, join us on Twitch, uh, which is um, laidradio.com to live. And uh, until then, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous.
deciphered. Space can be Sixteenth of January, thirty-three o four. We read the news so you don't have to. In this week's news, construction firms struggle as plywood burns. New Aegis limpet sucks you clean. The year of Thargoids. Construction firms struggle as plywood burns. With last week's attacks on Obsidian Orbital in Maya and Reed's Rest in Marope, the number of stations harbouring Aegis Research Laboratories that have been attacked by Thargoids has risen to 11. Search and rescue operations are underway in Marope and Maya to deal with the immediate humanitarian crisis, but the bigger problem looks set to be the reconstruction effort. Of the previous nine stations that were attacked, commanders monitoring the effort to rebuild the stations estimate that the Oracle may be brought back online in about a year. All the other stations look likely to take considerably longer, with Titan's daughter unlikely to be operational for another 11 years. She'll be in high school by then. Commander Fett Lee is attempting to coordinate the efforts to bring the stations back to working order, initially targeting Silene Orbital in Atlas, which at present looks like it'll take another six years to complete. With the present rate of attacks and the very slow progress in rebuilding stations, Aegis may have no research stations left by the end of March. At least, there'll be a lot of work for civil engineering organisations, with no excuse for any of them to go out of business. New Aegis Limpet sucks you clean. In an unusual move, Aegis has released new anti-Xeno technology without first appealing for commanders to deliver large quantities of cargo to aid the production but the new technology may be of limited use. Some Thargoid weapons splatter, a characteristic green goo full of corrosive enzymes all over enemy ships. This gradually eats away at the ship's hull, causing caustic damage. 
To help arrest this damage and to deliver limited repair functionality, the new Aegis decontamination limpets, which are available from most military, high-tech, refinery, industrial and extraction planetary bases, are capable of stripping away the enzymes, leaving the hull free of contaminants. Prior to the availability of these limpets, the only way to cleanse a ship of corrosive enzymes was to heat the hull above 200% of the safe operating temperature, by flying close to a sun or by entering one of the burning stations, something that had the useful side effect of killing off any trumbles that might be infesting your ship. The new Aegis limpets are reported to have no effect on the trumbles, whatever. The Year of Thargoids As commentator Daxton Sung recently pointed out, the combined might of the Empire, the Federation and the other one seems to be no match for the Thargoids. The tactics of the leaders seems to have been to give money to Aegis and hope that the problem goes away. But at least there seems to be some action in HIP 17692, where the powers have funded a campaign to attack and destroy Thargoid vessels. Given the vast number of Thargoid vessels now patrolling the Pleiades, it seems unlikely that this campaign will be of much practical use, but at least it'll keep commanders busy and may shut up the political opposition. In the year since Thargoid ships were first sighted in recent times, the ships have become more numerous and their actions apparently much more aggressive. With harmless hyperdictions giving way to attacks on ships that they perceive as threatening, which in turn has given way to attacks on Aegis scientific stations. The Thargoids are still found mainly in and around the Pleiades, but with their numbers increasing rapidly, where next for our cephalopoidal nemeses? Will they stay in the Pleiades? Or will they come round to visit us? In Alioth? In Achinar? And in Sol? And that's this week's Galnet News. Galnet News, we read the news so you don't have to.